A very warm welcome to this Friday's edition of Campus Force 2.0. I am Alan Moore. Your, I'll say I'm your guest host basically today because we have a super panel to uh, discuss the latest and greatest news in the world of sports. Right, we're going to start off right away. Of course, we have our two-minute roundup. We're going to go right away to Dublin in Ireland, to Isil Cody. Isil, I would ask you about Tyson I don't doubt Fury uh, and his winning the Sports Book of the Year, but I won't. You have something even better for us. Your two minutes starts now. So I'm going to start with a young lady who has huge potential as an athlete and probably would have been in the 200 metre category being looked on as a medal candidate in Tokyo. But unfortunately, she now has a ban which will extend for 18 months to eight days precisely after the Tokyo rescheduled Olympics um, end. This late young lady, Deasia Stevens, is an American athlete and she has been banned for missing a third test. So her three tests came over, well, within a 12-month period, but over a number of months. And her reasoning just got better and better. It was like something out of soap opera. On the first occasion, her phone battery died, which one could easily accept if they weren't outside knocking on her door. On the second occasion, she wasn't answering calls from strange numbers because her fiancé was being harassed by an unidentified female. Again, they were outside her door for 22 minutes knocking, but you can't be safe enough. And on the third time, they couldn't get into her building because they didn't have the name of someone she would authorise to come in. Because, you know, random doping testers need to give their name in advance and make an appointment. So... The reason I'm so focused on this story is because of the fact that this isn't the first person even this year. This isn't even the first person this month with a similar case. The difficulty with whereabouts is we're asking a lot of athletes, but at the same time, they get a lot in response to giving a little information about them. You have to be able to say where you are and you have to be there if you're meant to be. Otherwise, the presumption is missing one test, maybe that could be accidental two tests you know things happen three tests it's just showing a pattern especially when over a certain period of months that there's a reason you're skipping the test and seeing as a young athlete 18 months as a much easier band to take than four years if you're tested and that also brings me on to some other good news on clean sports the man who spearheaded the cleanest games that we have ever seen ignore my sarcasm, and also went on to bring the IAF into and World Athletics to a global age where we are looking at them going, these guys are at the top of their game. They're not causing any controversy. He's now got a seat on the International Olympic Council. Today really is a momentous day for Sebco and all in clean sports. Uh, Andrew Flint's applauding, and that's a slow applause, more sarcasm. How Septic Co has gotten away with it for so long, I do not know. He, uh, you know, he has we, a nice smile. Yeah, that's true. Like we, we had and a peerage, and a peerage, and we, we like we have dissected it before. Louise Carroll has gone through this and dissected everything that he said. How, how he contradicted himself, how he's lied, been cut out in his lies. How he awarded the, like, well, him and his uh, criminal buddies awarded the uh, World Athletic Championships to Eugene, Oregon, which also happens to be the home of Nike, where, of course, uh, Sebco was the ambassador. It's just 
unbelievable. Okay. The big thing we need to think about is in an in era where we're asking for more greater athlete protection across the sports, so example, UK gymnastics, if we have people like that at the helm, what does that really say? Yeah, no, no, no. A man, a man who actually uh, has, well, as we well has been known that he actually uh, gave an award to Grigory Rodchenkov for his dedication and uh, work in anti-doping uh-huh. in athletics. There you go. That's Septic Kofi. Right. Straight on to Andrew Flint. Andrew, dear, uh, what goes around comes around, and Sachi got a right kick in the knackers this week, uh, but they weren't kicked hard enough. What's been happening in Russian football? Well, uh, Sochi made headlines for all of the wrong reasons by setting a record score beating Rostov 10-1. Um, but of course, it's not quite as simple as it seems. Before that game, Rostov had come down with a bout of coronavirus positive tests and Sochi had the option of postponing the game to the 19th of July. There was one reserve date, but they said, no, we're not going to do it. Forcing Rostov to field a team of under 18s. Um, I'll be honest, I loved the first minute when Rostov took the lead, their 17-year-olds. But anyway, they went on to win 10-1. And this midweek, Sochi themselves had nine positive tests for coronavirus. Now, I don't know what's more farcical about this. The fact that it is a case of what goes around comes around, certainly. There will be exactly 0% sympathy for Sochi, quite rightly. Um, This all came out hours before their game against Tambov, when they were already in Tambov. So Sochi guessing what was coming to them is one thing, but how on earth is a system set up that only alerts the test hours before the team are already in that city? And effectively, the damage is done already. They've travelled with coronavirus to another city. They returned on a plane, all sitting next to each other, where there is zero social distancing. So... But they might as well have played the game, quite frankly. It was so poorly organised. So Sochi, at the moment, are still hoping to play their final game against Krelia, but that's unconfirmed. Um, They're hoping to isolate those players. uh, And that is only scratching the surface of all of the drama coming in um, at the end of this Russian Premier League season. Because Krelia Sovietov, who they are playing, um, may or may not be relegated. We still don't know because Kimki have today announced that they intend to play in the Premier League and yet they don't have the funds to do so. So we still don't know two weeks from when next season will start. We don't know who's being promoted, who's being relegated, who's even going to play the next game. What happens if they can't finish the season? And what happens with next season? I said it's just such a complete mess because all the licensing has to be in, in qualification, relegation, budget set, complete mess. Uh, double N, double N. You have a, a nice Asian football roundup for us and some more bit of news as well. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So um, first of all, I want to start with the news, and I wanted to ask from Andrew as well. Um, as far as I know, from first August there will be a new rule in Russian Premier League which will allow some uh, foreign players to be assumed like as their native players, which are Armenia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan. So I wanted to ask, are Ukrainian and uh, Belarusian like, players from Belarusia are considered Russian players right now? Or is it... Are they no, they, they don't count against the quota at the moment, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, okay. Turkmenistan and uh, Tajikistan leagues are uh, on break right now. And Turkmenistan League to start in August. Tajik League will start in a week or 10 days or so. 
and Uzbekistan have played matches today. Uh, actually, not today, this week. Uh, we know that Pahtakar, uh they came back from 2-0 at 74th minute, I think, to, to equalize and uh, to grab that one point. And with that, they're on top of the league right now with 22 points. And uh, that's all action from Central Asia right now because, as, as I said, like many, many countries are now on break. And besides that, I wanted to mention that a few, um, few shows ago, we mentioned how much the national teams are worth according to the transfer market uh, portal. So a uh, fifth of Turkmenistan team uh, worth uh, one player himself, Ruslan Gazo, is now jobless. Uh, he's, he was playing for, I think, Irtish of Paladar, and they, have, they stopped their competition for this year. And so he's now jobless. He's still looking for a new team. And uh, we will see. He's training in one of the Kazakhstan teams. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes from that. Okay, thank you. So, big star on the lookout for a job. Okay. Uh, Alex B, uh, you're in hiding still. We don't know who you've insulted this week, but we're going to find out. So, uh, you have news. It's still the Georgian Mafia. They're still upset. Yeah, yeah. I actually had Georgian food today and I was thinking of you. You know, I was thinking maybe they might try to poison me just by association, you know. But I did say I, I have, like, you know, what Alex believes in murdering Georgian people, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's his thing. So I don't, I don't condone nor killing anybody for that matter. <laughs> and with that, let's go into last week's UFC fight um, where Russia got its third third UFC champion, if you want to count Oleg Taktorov, as well as Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, there's Peter Yan, who won the Bantamweight Championship, I believe, and um, it was another kind of bad call from the, by another referee in the UFC, which has kind of been going on a lot in, uh, in the past, in just the past, like, few months. Like, um, so in the fifth round, Peter Yan, he was fighting Jose Aldo, who's a, you know, a legend in the division, and he, so he took him down, and then sort of Jose Aldo was in a position where he couldn't really defend himself. All he could do was just kind of protect his head as he was just being mauled. And the referee kind of, it was, it was a very late stoppage because there have been a, uh, times in the past where there have been early stoppages and championship fights. And, you know, the last one being Dominic Cruz versus Henry Cejudo when the fight was stopped as, as Dominic Cruz was getting up from his feet. But, yeah, so now we saw that the um the fight the the round just went on a lot longer than should have and yeah and jose aldo just took a lot of damage so they really need to you know we always say that we need they need to reevaluate how they how they do these things but like now i mean they already have the coroner could have thrown in the towel the referee could have stopped it and like jose aldo I, I don't think people thought that he should have tapped but you know if you're a ufc fighter you're not going to tap to be you know, you're, when you're still in the fight. So, I mean, despite what they, like, all their, um, the adjustments that they have made have just backfired here. So, yeah, it's just a question that the UFC has to answer still. The next sort of thing involving the UFC is that they, uh, for the next event, they've been, you know, they've been trying to, you know, cut funds on certain things because of the Reebok deal expiring and a lot of the athletes were just unhappy with the deal that they had. So, uh, but at the, I think, UFC 252, uh, Yet again, they invited Stephen A. Smith to commentate, which, you know, the first time they invited him, it was just horrible because he showed that he doesn't know the sport, like anything about the sport. He doesn't care. And he just came in and he started 
disrespecting Donald Cerrone, who's one of the, you know, he's had the most wins in the UFC. He's a, he's a legend of the sport. So when he, when they keep inviting people like this who don't really care and they just try to, you know, it's just the name of the UFC that just attracts not the, you know, not the fighters or the event themselves. So again, the fighters aren't going to be paid from doing any of this stuff. So I think that they're, you know, we've talked about this on the North American show, yeah. the Venom, uh, the Venom, uh, they've signed with Venom instead of, which is a much smaller company than Reebok. So they might have to, they might have to renegotiate the deals with, with the fighters, hopefully. Okay. Uh, so that's, that. it's over two minutes, but the one thing I want to bring back just so our listeners know, Stephen A. Smith is the, he's usually a sort of, he does different sport, like sports. He has a sports show, doesn't he? He's usually a guy who shouts quite. Right, right. He he covers North America, but he doesn't really cover combat sports. He no, no, no. He's not. He's like baseball. He's basketball, yeah. and he usually gives kind of outrageous comment and shouts quite loud. Okay, so basically, what you're saying is that UFC are in a little bit of a mess right now because they're trying to grab. And they are. They are because I think the first time that happened, they should have changed some things. They should have, you know, at least made a bit to keep taking a bit more care of you know who they invite on the show and to do what because they invited him to commentate in every fight um when we say that there's equality in sports uh derek is going to show us that that is not the case derek um all is not equal in african football tell us more the african federation the CAF, recently announced that uh, they're going to cancel the african women's Cup of Nations. The tournament that's, that's held like every after year and right now they cancelled it. The reason being that the same because of COVID-19 but they've had a lot of backlash especially from like stakeholders and FIFA. Even FIFA said it's a very bad idea of I mean why didn't they postpone like the they're postponing all, all the tournaments. So there is a, a player Ashola. She's a Barcelona striker and or a five-time African woman player of the year. She wrote on her Twitter saying, other competitions postponed, but our con cancelled. Thank you once again for making us realize women's football isn't important to you. Congratulations on dragging us back again. Adios to all the women's teams in Africa. See you in 2020. So uh, the, the, it was supposed to be held in 2020, 2020 but they pushed it to 2022. And just cancelling it, which which is. This, this, I have one more little small question for you. I want you to add in, but um, we were talking before that uh, women's football really is, you know, very much underfunded and not really respected in Africa. Correct? It's it's still developing, and there's, I'm I'm sure there's, there's still this thing of like, mm-hmm. I mean, we have men's football. Why should we really fund women's football? I think that that, that mentality is still is still quite huge in, in Africa. Okay, listen. I, well, I want to give you just next because you're new one. I want to give you a minute um, because there's one story related to Zambian football that most of us know about, most of us have heard about, but it's something that a tragedy that happened back in 1993, and we discussed it actually, of course, in our champ talks with uh, with Ash Davies. You've got a minute. Tell us about the, the Zambian air crash and then how Zambian football has recovered from that. You know, uh, first of all, Zambia is a, very, is a very footballing country, right? Like, you know, Africans are, I would say Africans are noisy, right? But when there's a football game in Zambia, the streets are quiet. And then you, you, only, you only hear noise when, when, when a goal is scored. That's how Zambia is, you know? So I feel like this, is, this was the, the worst thing that has ever, ever happened to Zambia. 
they were traveling and they were traveling to Senegal to for for the World Cup qualifier. Zambia 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 has never gone for the World Cup. So they were traveling 1993. I wasn't I wasn't born there, but I know the whole story. <laughs> Every Zambian knows it. Uh, then Zambia had problems, economic problems. So they borrowed. Uh, used to borrow a jet for the army, right? So they were not in so much good condition. So they, they borrowed the aircraft for the army, and went flying to flying to, to, to Senegal, right? Uh, they had like a stop in Brazzaville in Congo. Then immediately, like the next stop was supposed to be Gabon. Then just a few minutes, the, the, the plane crashed. 18, the whole, the, the whole squad, 18 players, uh, 18 players, the coaching staff and, and everybody. And then that was the best football uh, squad Zambia has ever had. It's a team that beat Italy 4-0 in the Olympics a year, a year before. And it was just so tragic. But here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's a good story about, about that crush. That crush had 18 players. And then 18 years, exactly 18 years after, 2012, we won the AFCON, the Africa Cup of, of Nations for the first time. Another thing about 18, it was, it was a final against Ivory Coast. Very strong team, Jada Drogba. 18 penalties were scored in that, in that game and we won. We were like underdogs, like, People were saying, you can't, you can't have a team like Zambia. <laughs> 2012-1 in Gabon, where the plane crashed. You know, that, that number 18 as well, linking the whole way through, especially come back to Gabon and uh, winning. So, okay, Derek, uh, stay there. I'm going to go to Isol right away. Isol, we know that Leeds are back in the Premier League. Um, you mentioned that Jose Aldo, as Alex brought up, he took 100 punches in that round. But something has been Man City before we go back to double M. Well, as delighted as I am to see Jack Charlton's former team back where they belong, I say that through gritted teeth. Any team that could possibly play and beat against my beloved Spurs, I don't like. That's every other team. Um, so, Man City, they have had their ban taken away effectively by uh, the Court of Arbitration and Sport. And they have had their fine reduced to 10 million, which, let's face it, to Man City is pocket change. The interesting part about this is that while Pep Guardiola has been suggesting the rest of us all should bow down and apologise to the poor Man City operation that has been slandered by the suggestion of impropriety, the reality is that the reason so much of this could not be further prosecuted was lack of sufficient evidence, which basically means the records weren't there. That doesn't mean nothing wrong happened. And also, they were time barred. So, let's say in most in contract law you can only enforce a contract for a certain duration in criminal law you can only prosecute someone except for the most exceptional offenses for a certain period of time so just because you got away with it by virtue of time does not mean you did anything correct and it certainly does not mean that you're absolved of all wrongdoing it just means they can't catch up with you the reality is I don't think football fair play uh, rules, the financial fair play rules can be changed in football because of the fact that to do so, you're retrospectively changing the rules. But this should be a warning shot to other clubs that they're going to be looking more vigorously at more recent records. Yeah. And, and essentially, Man City have just showed that being 
at the top of the financial food chain counts for a lot. Chasing after Uzbekistan, who would be next? And who do you, which country do you think could make a breakthrough from Central Asia? It's a hard question. Like, in my opinion, uh, third, third country, <laughs> I think, was maybe... I, I know that Turkmenistan was the last, in, like, the least expensive. Like, and uh, from others, really, right now, um, I think it would be Tajikistan. But um, I really don't know. Like, I would say that we have a lot, lot of potential. Like, we have, if our government spends a little bit more money and time properly on that issue, I, I know that we have talent. I'm following some people on Instagram. Like, they're really small, like six, seven years old. And I know, like, I see the passion in their eyes. Like, there are a few kind of, like kids like that. If they, if they really like. If the next generation are raised like in a good conditions, if the conditions for sports are there, I think we'll have a great team maybe in five years or ten years maybe. Okay. But as as it's, as as it seems like now, right now, I I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. Unfortunately, uh, Andrew, I want to ask you uh, the Russian Cup semi-finals, of course, coming up. The big ones, any Spartak? Mm. I know you have your opinions on that. On the other semi-final, uh, who are you tipping for it? And give us some information. What time people could be watching the kick? We've got both both semi-finals on Sunday. Ural against second-tier Himki in Yekaterinburg, which and Himki haven't played a competitive game for four months. Um, and their own future is much more focused on whether they're going to go to the Premier League or not. Um, Ural are focused entirely on the cup. They're safe from relegation, so it won't be an exciting game, but it's about as guaranteed a win for Ural, and that's all, all personal bias aside. Zanit against Spartak, there was a huge um, amount of uproar from Spartak about the game being staged in St. Petersburg, um, and... The referee has history, should we say, between the two clubs. Um, Zenit have won the championship. Um, Spartak have virtually no hope of even getting sixth. So if Zenit win the Russian Cup, the Russian Cup winner's place in the Europa League would go to sixth in the Russian Premier League, which is very likely because Zenit are the best side in the country. So Spartak have a backup option if they lose to Zenit that they could get sixth, but mathematically it's very unlikely. So for me... With the mess they're in, Dominika Tedesco won't be on the bench because he's serving a three-match ban, his last of a three-match ban, the only manager to be sent off the season in Russian football. Zanita have rested their, their main players. They're in perfect condition, in good form. So it really is as easy a prediction as it comes. Zanit will win theirs and Ural will win theirs. And they will meet in the final on the 25th of July. Um, in Yekaterinburg. Okay, that's good. Okay, again, I'm hoping that Ural can go on and win it because it won't really matter for Zanit. They'd be just quite happy to... Uh, they have Exactly, the yeah. yeah. Like So, the double is a double, but still, yeah, I, I think that uh, Ural could ca- catch him on the hop. Okay, um, how badly is that going to affect the preparation for African teams for 2020, uh, 2022 excuse me, in Qatar? Um, and who do you reckon should be the two African countries we should be watching out for? It's going to be difficult for them to get back together and kind of play play together. Also, two African countries, right? You said? Yeah. Zambia. Zambia, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay, to be honest, I would say Senegal and, uh, and uh, Nigeria. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair enough. Okay, Senegal, of course, are a coming team, and Nigeria are always like you know contenders. So okay, uh, going back over to whoever is in hiding from the Georgian uh, nation, 
Uh, I know we were going to speak about NBA and uh, Major League Baseball, but something broke yesterday that really... Yeah, we, we do have bigger fish to fry. Yeah, bigger, we do have bigger, bigger fish. fish to fry. And more than a name change, which we covered on our North American show, what the hell is happening in Washington, Alex? Oh, we spoke about the Washington Redskins and about, you know, the name, how it shouldn't, that it's about time that they've changed the name. It's very long overdue at this point. But uh, a lot more has been circulating about what's been going on in that team in the past uh, 15 years or so, because as it turns out, uh, they were they've been accused of cheating, you know, pretty much during that whole uh, time. There's been uh, there's been count there's been incidents happening every once in a while of them cheating. But the biggest one that just kind of broke the news is that uh, the owner Dan Snyder was paying referees to uh, help win to help them win games and to you know to let them cheat. And so apparently. Uh, the referees made over $2 million from just him. And the crazy part about this is that there's no way that he was the only person doing this. Yeah. So that means that there's a lot that, you know, this is just the tip of the the iceberg when it comes to the, what's going on in the NFL. And um, that's not the only big thing that's been happening there because 15 women that have worked for the team at some point in in the past 15 years have claimed that they've been harassed or sexually assaulted by members of the team of just, you know, the organization. Yeah. And one thing that there was this scandal, of course, where uh, the Washington uh, team, well, the team to be named, of course, uh, they had flown the, the cheerleaders, well, a lot of people, the staff and administration staff down to some island in the Caribbean and were almost pimping out the cheerleaders as like escorts i mean it's you know this has all been brushed under the carpet but it this is like it's building up to be an awful thing yeah well i just think that you know initially when we spoke about this the whole argument was that they don't really have to change much all they had to do was the name you know, change it to the washington like warriors or something <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know now now that we learned about all this stuff it, it seems that the whole like the the uh, the name is just it's the last thing they need to be fixing. There's so many more things that they have to work on right now. They have to replace so many people. They have to, you know, get to the bottom of this scandal, what games were won fairly and what games weren't. They have to find all that. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough couple of months for, the, for, the, for Washington. Okay. Alex, again, folks, follow that news. There's a lot more to come. Uh, it could involve the owner being fired so or getting uh, bought out or thrown out. Okay, very, very quickly, we're going to run out. We've got final questions to wrap up with. Um, Double, I'm going to start with you. What is your ideal Friday night meal? It will be Monty. You have tried. If you haven't tried, you should try. I don't know if Isol can try. I think what? Andrew can, and you definitely can. Monty. What's it again? Monty. Oh, Monty. Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree, Monty. Okay. Derek, to you, um, why is uh, the university team so bad? And what was the score in the last game? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because maybe because I haven't played football in a long time. The score was 8-0. <laughs> We've been in 8-0. <laughs> okay. I know you're playing on Sunday, so good luck with that, all right? <laughs> okay. Um, Alex B., what nation on earth do you not hate? I don't hate anybody, but you asked Andrew Flynn about food, so I just wanted to offer everybody who's listening some food for thought if you go and listen to the North American Roundup right now. 
<laughs> oh, I love that, Alex. Well done. Okay, Andrew Flint. Um, if you could have, okay, if Man City could be, uh, or sorry, Man City, Man United could win uh, something next year, or, or I'll win the cup this year, what would you choose? I'd have to say Oral won the cup because United have always got more chance of winning something. Oral haven't won anything in 90 years of existence. And this could mean that, in fact, United could get drawn against them in the Europa League and come to your Katzenberg anyway. So it's win-win. OK. Isolt, for you, this is a very Irish-based GAA question. Who would you rather lose to, Limerick or Cork? Limerick because we beat them the next year. Cork because they're an arrogant bunch of so-and-sos. Like, they think they've won even if they lose. Yeah. I, just, I just hate I hate Cork. I wish they were their own country. For anyone who doesn't understand, Cork called themselves the People's Republic of Ireland. I would very much enjoy if they became the People's Republic of Cork and just left. <laughs> Alex, there we we're go. happy. You have someone supporting your uh, hatred for other people and nations. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, that's <laughs> wrapping up for Friday. We're going to be back on Monday, so until then, have a great weekend. Yeah.